Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Forza Napoli Calcio podcast. This is a podcast about a Napoli, of course, but you don't have to be a Napoli fan to enjoy it. If you're a Serie A fan, if you're a football fan looking for the inside scoop on all things Napoli, this is the place to be. I'm your host, Joe Fischetti. Thank you so, so much for listening. On today's episode, we're going to review the 2020-2021 campaign that just wrapped up. This was supposed to be our last episode, but we had to cover the appointment of Luciano Spalletti on that one, so we will do our award ceremony tonight. I'm bringing back our same guests, our same panel of guests that we had for our last episode. Vincenzo Bertillo, welcome back to Fortsanopoli. Glad to be here, Joe. Thanks again. My pleasure. Daniel Russo, welcome back. Thank you so much for having me back, Joe. It's my pleasure. And Gaetano Solazzo, welcome back to Fortsanopoli. Buonasera. Thanks so much again. Appreciate it. It's my pleasure. I feel like I just talked to you guys and we're already back doing this again. So I thought it would be fun to do an award show to talk about our previous campaign. I think after the mutiny of last season and then the way that this season ended, I think pretty rough on all of us. Some of us might still be grieving. We all take our own amount of time to, to get over something like that. So I wanted to do something a bit lighter, a bit more fun that hopefully can lighten the mood for everyone and help us move past this. I think with the mutiny last season that this was supposed to be a season of improvement. We broke our record transfer fee by signing Victor Osiman for 70 million euros. And at least at the start of the season, the goal was to return to the top four. I think as the season progressed, that goal changed and finishing in first place, winning the Scudetto became a realistic target for a period of time before top four became the target again. We obviously fell short of both of those goals. We missed the Champions League by one point. We'll be returning to the Europa League, but as far as our position in the table goes, we did technically improve from seventh to fifth. I think we had the greatest year-over-year improvement in total points out of any other team in the league, but again, that was largely because of how poorly the previous season went in terms of points. We also saw improvement in individual performances, and that brings us to our first award, which is the most improved player. Gaetano, I'll start with you. Who did you have as your most improved player this season? This is a 
a little bit of a tough answer, but I'm going to say Lozano. Obviously, the way he finished the season wasn't optimal, and I think his injury had a lot to do with it. I don't think he ever actually came back fully fit. But I think the first time I was on your show, we talked about who our, our best player was. I think it was right at halfway of the season. And uh, we agreed that, that Lozano was our best player up to that point, and I think he was. He brought a lot to the table, you know, even defensively, tracking back. You know, he scored a bunch of goals. And he was basically a new player. You know, we all had our doubts going into this year about him, right? Because we spent a pretty good chunk of change uh, and he didn't produce anything at all really his first year. So we were worried. So the difference was stark between his first and second year. So for me, that's that was good enough for, for uh, my most improved for this year. That was, I believe it was our mid-season review that we did at the time. And you're right. We spoke about Lozano and, and how key he was. Vincenzo, I'll go over to you next. Who do you have as your most improved player? So this was a tough choice, but in the end, my most improved player of the season is Piotr Zielinski. And it came down to many factors, including statistics. So in 2019-2020, Piotr Zielinski played 37 matches for Napoli. He got two goals, four assists, okay, and one in the Europa League, one goal in the Europa League. In 2020-2021, 36 matches, so one match less. He got eight goals, 10 assists. One goal that should have counted was called off, and he got another two in Europa League. So we're in double figures now, goals and assists, and that's a massive improvement statistically. Plus, in this new position that he's played, he's been a lot more confident. We've seen him dribbling around players, dribbling through legs, and just being overall, just letting his skills really run the show and in a way that you know, we always knew this guy had potential to be world-class. This year is the year that he actually showed the world-class ability on the field before everyone would say, oh, he's the next uh, Kevin De Bruyne. Well, this is the first season where you can actually compare him to a player like that, in my opinion. Yeah, I thought he improved dramatically as well. His progress seemed to have stalled for maybe a year or two heading into this season. And again, for all his faults, I think we do have to give Gattuso a lot of credit for putting him in that 10 spot. This was something I spoke to Joey Cacavalle about before the start of this season when we were playing with a 4-2-3-1 in our preseason friendlies. And we were looking at the squad and saying, we know that Diego Deme has to play as the Regista or one of those two in the double pivot. How do we make it work with Fabian and Zielinski? One of them would have to play as the number 10. That was the only way it worked. And I still think Fabian can do well in a number 10 spot, but certainly it seems like Gattuso made the right choice there by putting Zielinski in that spot. Daniel, who's your most improved player this season? Well, not to copy Vincenzo, but I did have Zielinski as well. It was a toss-up between him and Lozano. I think they were the two clear choices. And honestly, calling him the most improved is a little bit disrespectful to me, in my opinion, just because he's always been good. Zielinski, you you could always tell he's had immense talent. It's just when he was finally going to, you know, take that next step and actually have the stats to prove it. Because to be a top player in this game, you need to have the stats to back your game up. And he finally did that this year, like Vincenzo said, with the stats that he brought up, with the goals and assists. But... You could tell with this Napoli how important he is and how central to the project he is. Because when he's cooking, the team cooks. When he's off his game, the team is off. They're non-existent. So it's Zielinski for me. That's definitely a fair shout. I I love the 
the reference to how important he is when he's on and when he's not on. And I think you could say he's already a top midfielder in the league, but there's still room for improvement. He was in the discussion. I mean, that was something we talked about around the Christmas break. There was all this, you know, this Napoli Twitter debate of who's better between Zielinski and Rodrigo De Paul. <laughs> Since we're doing a season review, we might as well remind everyone of that. I think Nicolo Barella obviously stepped up this season. Sergei Milenkovic-Savic also very, very good in the midfield. I have to actually agree with Gaetano, though. I'm going with Chucky Lozano. In his first season with us, he scored four goals. He added one assist in 26 appearances. He added only one goal and one assist in eight appearances in other competitions. He also played himself onto that bench. The first half of those appearances were starts, and then the second half of those appearances were as a substitute. When Gattuso joined Napoli, he was shocked to discover that Lozano didn't even speak Italian, apparently. This season, Lozano scored 11 goals and assisted on four of them in 32 appearances in Serie A, but also doubled his minutes played, which tells you that he started a lot more this season than he did, so he played himself back onto the pitch. And that's despite missing a month due to injury, as Gaetano pointed out. He added four goals and an assist in other competitions. So only Lorenzo Insigne scored more goals, and only Insigne and Zelinski, the other guy who we had as the most improved player, had more goal contributions this season than Lozano did. He also stepped up when we needed him to step up the most, particularly obviously when Osiman went down, and especially after Mertens got hurt too. It was Lozano was the guy that was scoring all of these goals. And I know our, our good friend Prince Salad is not exactly a big fan, and I, I have to give him the opportunity to defend himself, so I won't attack him or anything like that. But I think there might be a little bit of recency bias. He didn't have the best finish to the season, as Gaetano alluded to, but... He had a fantastic, fantastic first half of the season. One other notable mention, I think Kaladu Kalibali improved compared to the previous season as well. And that's a similar point to what Daniel made with Zielinski, that when a player is really good, it's hard to think of them improving because that's the most improved player when you think of like your childhood soccer team or whatnot you really think of a player that was bad and became good, not a player that was already good and got better. But I thought he returned to the form that he was in prior to last season. Obviously, last season, he had a tough campaign. He did miss eight games due to injury, which, of course, is a major issue. Both of Koulibaly's injuries were muscular in nature, which I think is due to a combination of a very intense schedule and the reality that we all need to start accepting that Koulibaly is getting up there in age. I still wouldn't sell him, but I think he does deserve a shout for improved player the next award is one that players don't want to win i'm talking about the worst player of the season award vincenzo i'll let you start this one who was your worst player this season well my worst player of the season is a player that was so bad this season he couldn't even get on the field hardly and that's stanislav lobotka we brought this guy in for 22 million gattuso apparently requested him or at least someone with his attributes and to me, he's been a non-factor all season to the point where you almost forget he's in the squad. Not only that, but if you look at him, I know that everyone has different body composition, but this guy does not look like he's training his hardest to break into that team. He looks out of shape. He looks like one of us more than he looks like uh, you know the players around him. Okay, He looks like an average Joe. He does not look like a stud, some guy who's just an athlete striving to break into that team. I just, I'm very disappointed especially considering how much he costs. And I really, really hope that next year 
either he's not with the team or something clicks and this guy steps it up. The thing with Lobotka, I've, I've defended him maybe a little bit too much, but my view with him is that he didn't get much of an opportunity. He didn't start a single game in Serie A this season. He only got five starts in all competitions. One was in the round of 16 of the Coppa Italia against Empoli. The other four were in the Europa League, the first three games of the group stage, and then the first leg, I believe, against Granada when half the team was out injured. The reality is that once Gattuso asked for Bakayoko, who he got, Lobotka never really stood a chance, even though Gattuso said at the beginning of the season that he would use both a 4-3-3 and a 4-2-3-1, depending on the situation. We played almost exclusively in the 4-2-3-1, and then with Gattuso dropping Fabian into the double pivot, that left really one spot to be shared between Bakayoko, Deme, and Lobotka, so Lobotka unfortunately was the odd man out, but it's hard to disagree with you. Even I think even on those few appearances that he did make, he didn't necessarily do anything to impress and, and earn his way in. And as you said, he doesn't look like he's in peak physical condition. And players, even though they may not be starting or, or substituting on that frequently, they can still win their way back into the squad in training. So I wonder if you know he just didn't train hard enough or Gattuso didn't see enough in training for him to get more of a look. Daniel, I'll go to you next. Who do you have as our worst player this season? I mean, I think you know who I'm going to say just based on my tweets. Um, I even tweeted out his name today, just out of the blue. <laughs> and it's uh, Bakayoko. Yeah, I uh, saw that this tweet. Guy, <laughs> this guy, man, I was so happy when we signed him because I thought about how he played under Gattuso at Milan, and he was a train. It seemed like every time he was on the field, he took the game by his grasp and said, you know, it's my game. And he controlled the midfield with Kessie. With us, it just didn't work, unfortunately. And rightfully so, we're not going to be signing him, I don't think, permanently. And not once during the season did I ever think he actually wanted to be here. He didn't really look like it on the field, in my opinion, barring maybe one or two good games. Maybe the Atalanta game, his first game, and the Torino game where he scored. And that kind of gave him a boost of confidence where the rest of the game he was great. But other than that, I really can't. And and he's costed us plenty of points during the season. Not to mention that Sassuolo game as well where we were 3-2 up and he lost the ball in the midfield. Just a boneheaded mistake and 3-3. You know, that's two points right there that could have brought us in the Champions League. So, I mean, these little things like that. Well, the big thing is is just he didn't look like he really wanted to be a Napoli player. But then there's also little things that really costed us the season where they were directly his fault. So that's my guy for uh, definitely worst player of a season. Yeah, mind you, he did give us two points with the header against Udinese. He won that match. But I agree, there were times where it looked like either he was just running in slow motion or just didn't care enough. (laughs) Like he he genuinely looked like he was just kind of jogging about out there. I thought about making him my worst player. I ultimately didn't only because I did think he had a decent start to the season. And I also thought he finished the season pretty well. He got those last couple of starts. I still would have preferred them at playing in those matches if I'm being honest, but he definitely had a horrible middle portion of the season. And, and that's, exactly why he won't be playing with us next season. Gaetano, I'll let you close it off. Who's your worst player this season? So the two that were already mentioned were on my list, but I was going to go his high. But as bad as he was, he played out of position most of the year, so I'll leave him alone. 
and he did cost us a couple of goals. Didn't I'm not gonna go into it. This is supposed to be a happy episode, so I'm not gonna go into it. <laughs> for, me, the worst, for me, the worst player was Petania. Okay, interesting. I try to go a little bit outside the box here. To be honest, when Daniel said I knew who he was, I thought that's what I thought he was going to do. <laughs> that's, so if he went Petania, I would have went Bakayoko. Okay. I'll, I'll take Petania. Listen, we obviously got rid of Milik for obvious reasons. And uh, we brought in Petania to be that, uh, you know, spot starter or guy off the bench to kind of get us that late goal, you know, throw everybody in the box. Listen, I'm not in shape. I, I'm not, but this man was, I mean, come on. <laughs> um, talk about it running all of us hope, hope really doesn't it not, I mean he brought nothing he had a couple of good games at the beginning of the year like a little flasher in there a couple of goals that gave us hope but like man he just brought I mean with Mertens being hurt and Osimhen being hurt you know it was really his time to kind of take the bull by the horn so to speak and he just was not able to, to be that guy at the end of the year we barely saw him at all right I mean the last couple of months just a couple of minutes here and there Vincenzo talked about how much we spend for uh, Loboca. I mean, we spend a pretty good amount on, on Petania as well. Right? I think it's 18 or 19 million, Joe, uh, 19 million, Joe, something like that. Yeah, it was, it was in that neighborhood for sure. Right. So, I mean, it, it wasn't like, you know, we paid, you know, 2 million euro. And for the contribution we got, obviously, we didn't get the return on the investment. So, um, you know, that's that's a position that's not really talked about for us this summer. But I think a backup striker uh, is going to be important, especially with Chiro getting up there in age and, and now getting some injuries. Yeah, and there are talks about whether Patania will be around next season or whether we sell him. If we did, we might have we might be just sort of cutting our losses there and taking what we can get. I don't think when we bought him that I think he was meant to have probably a more prominent role. I don't think we didn't know we were going to sign Osimhen at the time, and I think that's why we paid so much for Patania in the first place. He ended up having a pretty prominent role with Osimhen missing so much time and. In his defense, he did score some goals. I think he got the winner against Benevent. But yeah, I think in all in all, I mean, that was the period where we basically lost the season, right? And again, we also had half a team injured, and so we don't need to belabor that point. What's interesting is in this category, we're all going to have a different player. So for me, the worst player of the season was Nikola Maksimovic, which pains me to say because last season he played really well with Koulibaly and Manolas kind of taking turns getting hurt. I think a big reason for his struggles this season was that Koulibaly and Manolas missed fewer games, which meant that Maksimovic wasn't getting that much playing time. It was very sporadic, and I think his play suffered. But when he did play, he made costly errors, and as a result of that, he dropped below Amir Rachmani in the depth charts, and then at the end of the season, he got COVID on top of it, which didn't help. He didn't play at all at the end of the season. It looks like he's going to be leaving this summer. I doubt we renew his contract for uh, the value that he's asking for in salary. I think he wants two and a half million euros for a guy that would be our fourth center back. There's no way we're going to pay that. I think maybe we would keep him on if we sell Koulibaly. Um, there are also r- rumors that were linked to Marco Sinezi, who's a guy that we seem to be sort of perennially linked to at this time of the year. I think I saw a report today that he said he'd love to play at Napoli, but he's never actually spoken to Napoli. So I, it sounds like that one was just made up by the media. I will say that I think this was just an off season for Maximovic, and maybe a change in scenery is exactly what he needs to get his career back on track. He's been linked to Lazio, and I think perhaps he could do well over there if he gets some consistent playing time. 
might be under Maurizio Sadi, who's uh, linked to that Lazio job. All right, so let's move on to a much more prestigious award, which is our most valuable player. Daniel, I'll let you go first on this one. Who was your MVP this season? I think it goes without saying it has to be Insignia for me. Just when this guy's on, when he's on the field, you see the difference. Uh, he's a difference maker. When he's having an off game, our team struggles. When he's having an on game, our team thrives, just like Zielinski, and even more so than Zielinski, actually. I want to reiterate that. It's about time he really took this squad and carried them because we always knew we had that talent in him. And I really hope he continues this, obviously, into the Euros for, for our sake, for Italy's sake, and into next season for Napoli's sake because he's going to be huge in um, getting back into Champions League. And hopefully he renews as soon as possible. Yeah, it's hard to argue with that. And I have a feeling that there's going to be some agreement on this one. Gaetano, who's your MVP this season? So Insigne is the easy choice. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go in a different direction. I, mean, I can't disagree. He was amazing. I'm not taking anything away from uh, from Lorenz. My MVP was Koulibaly. The difference with him out of the lineup, especially during the middle of the season when he had his first injury, was stark, right? I mean, with Maxima, as you just mentioned it, Joe, making mistakes. Manolas not – you know, listen, it's not just the way he plays. It's the way his partner plays when he's in the game. That's when you know he's so important to the team. And just like you guys already mentioned about Zielinski and Insigne, how – when they're in the game and when they're on, the team just looks different. He controls everything. He covers up so many mistakes. His eye can make a mistake. He'll cover it. Mario Rui can make a mistake. You know, Manolas could do one of his bonehead, you know, slides in midfield and he'll cover it. He's just such a, a blanket back there, for a lack of a better word, and he covers up so much space. And listen, I said this joke, like half jokingly, you know, in the middle of the season. He could have played – in the midfield for us, it would have been like our top three midfielder. There's no question why the guy is just an absolute stud. I pray to God we never sell him. He makes a huge difference. And uh, so, you know, giving him a nod. Great shout. I love that. Um, a couple of my tweets come to mind with that. There was one I, I put out where this was not even including the end of the season. So it's probably you would have to add two points to it. But I believe with Koulibaly out of the lineup, we dropped 10 points this season. Right, that's massive. At twelve, if you include that Hellas Verona match, the other one that comes to mind, which is a bit more of a joke, one that I did. I, as you guys know, I I do predicted elevens for every match, and I did one for fun uh, where I had Koulibaly playing center back, Koulibaly playing left back, and Koulibaly playing as half of the double pivot because most games that's what he does. He was covering for for Daniel's worst player Bakayoko very very often. He was covering for whoever we had at left back and actually contemplated it. You mentioned he saw earlier Gaetano. I contemplated making just the left back position, my worst player, because regardless of who you put there, it didn't seem to work. And Koulibaly was the guy that was covering up for that and credit to Amir Rachmani. I think he did a, a very, very good job filling in for Koulibaly at the end of the season. I guess you can't really call him most improved. It may be over the course of the season. You could, cause he didn't play at all at the beginning of the season, but great shout with Koulibaly. Vincenzo, who's your most valuable player this season? Well, I have to agree with Daniel. For me, Insigne is the MVP of the season. Although Koulibaly was great and many other players, you could have given them the shout, but you have to do Insigne, in my opinion. 19 goals, 7 assists. And beyond the statistics, 
you know, one thing we forget is how many times he scored the first goal of the game, which to me is the most important goal in a game and therefore, you know, supports the MVP status. On top of that, he does most of the free kicks, corners, all of our penalties, and he's really stepped his game up as far as overall leadership. So if you look at that in totality, I think he's your MVP. But one thing I'll just add as an outside shout, if he were to have played the whole season, I do think Victor Osimhen could have given him a run for the money just because I think he transforms the team. And when he's on the field, he was averaging about a goal a game and just opens up a lot of space. But given the fact that, you know, he missed so much of the season, for me, it's Lorenzo. Absolutely. Pretty close to unanimous on on that one because I think Gaetano basically said the same thing. I agree with everything you guys said. Daniel also touched on it last episode about how he stepped into that leadership role um, more this season. I think he ran more than he ever has this season. Again, Gattuso likes his wingers to come back and help defend, and he totally not only accepted that responsibility, but he embraced it. And I agree as well on the Osman point. I think if we were to do sort of half-season awards and, and sort of going back to our most improved player award, we probably would have had Lozano as maybe one of our picks as the MVP for the first half of the season and Victor Osman as one of our picks for the second half of the season. But when you look at the season in its totality, I think it's hard to argue against Insignia. The only player I believe that played more minutes than Insignia was Di Lorenzo, who's an absolute Iron Man. He hardly missed any time. So all good shouts there. Pretty close to unanimous decision for Insignia. All right, our final award is the goal of the season. And let me tell you, there were a lot to choose from. This was an impressive season for us as far as goals go. We scored 86 goals, which was our second highest goal scoring season in club history. The only season we scored more goals was in 2016-17 when we scored 94. Vincenzo, I believe you mentioned Insigne, set his single season Serie A record. Mind you, seven of those were from the penalty spot. Eight, if you include the one against Fiorentina, where he was stopped on the penalty but scored on the rebound. Dries Mertens became our top scorer in all competitions this season. Insigne moved up that list as well. Now only Mertens, Hamsik, and Diego Maradona have scored more goals for Napoli than Insigne has. He's only six goals behind Maradona and 12 goals behind Hamsik, so he could well pass both of them next season. Mertens also tied Antonio Voyak for most goals for Napoli in Serie A, so kind of a similar award, but strictly in Serie A. And Insigne moved up to fourth in that list as well. So let's go around the table. Gaetano, I'll start with you. What was your best goal of the season? I'm taking uh, Zielinski's goal against Genoa. Elmas to Osiman backfield, and then Zielinski set a couple people down real quick, and then he just casually passed it in the corner. I was going to go with another uh, Zielinski goal, but I think that one was the best kind of team goal. Just the one, you know, quick touches. I just love the way it looked. And uh, yeah, that's what I'm going with. If anyone's looking for that, that was match day two, very, very early in the season. Yes. And, uh, yeah. and Zielinski had a lot of options to choose from. from yeah. this no, there was like three or four. Yeah. Yeah. The one against Atalanta was really nice uh, yeah. as well. But I don't want to take anybody else. You know, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> don't worry. I've, I've got a long list that I'll, I'll go over all the ones that uh, you guys don't cover. So uh, Vincenzo, I'll go to you next. What was your goal of the season? Again, we have a plethora of riches to choose from here. But for me, my goal of the season was Lorenzo Insigne's free kick versus Rome right after the death of Maradona, the first game back at our home stadium. 
you know, it was an incredible goal. Also, unlike some of the other great goals, it was against, you know, a pretty top team. And not only that, but the significance of it, our captain paying tribute to Maradona, the first game back, it just felt like destiny. It's one of those goals where I might forget some of the other goals from this season 10 years from now, but that's a goal I'll never forget. It just has so much layers of significance and meaning, the hometown guy, captain, and uh, all of those things together for me makes that the goal of the season. Yeah, hard to argue with that one. It it was as if Maradona came down and took the shot himself and Insignia then went to the camera, picked up the new Argentina kit that we produced this season, which I believe we might have unveiled it for this specific game. And That's he right. kissed Maradona's name in front of the camera. Beautiful moment. He was fighting back tears as he was running towards that camera. And then I believe he later then uh, got the Maradona tattoo on his leg as well. So definitely a special moment this season. Daniel, what was your goal of the season? I almost went with Vincenzo's goal, the Insigne goal, but I'd have to go with the goal to make it 4-1 against Lazio at the Maradona, where um, Di Lorenzo throws the ball into Zielinski. He does the back heel touch, plays a perfect ball across to the top of the box, and Mertens just missiles it to the top corner. It was as if God took the shot for Mertens. It was insane. (laughs) The difficulty... And taking that shot, especially at the pace that the ball was going to him, to Mertens, the pure ability to just take it one touch and put it right into the top corner is just insane. The The amount of skill it takes in that whole goal from the, the touch from Zielinski, the pass from Zielinski, and the shot from Mertens is incredible. I have to go with that one. Yeah, again, another, another hard one to argue with it. I believe he put that shot into the roof of the goal. That was match day 32 against Lazio. And and he took that shot from outside the area. To, mm-hmm. The target, if you think about how small the target is to put the ball into the roof of the goal from that distance is absolutely incredible. And then you add the fact that it was on, I believe, on a half volley. It wasn't like it was an easy hit. Then he just hit no. it as sweet as you could hit a ball. So, like I said, we've we've got a ton. So, I, you guys sit back and relax for a little bit. I'm, I'm going to rally off. This is kind of like the podcast version of your season-ending highlight reel. So, hopefully, uh, you know, I encourage everyone to go look at the, look them up. Go to the Setia website, and all the highlights are there. But I'll just go in chronological order and and give you some of the the standout goals this season. There were a lot of them, and some of these are not necessarily the most beautiful goals, but maybe special moments or, or key moments for key players. So match day three versus Atalanta, Politano scored the third goal with an absolute rocket from outside of the area. I don't know if you guys remember this one, right into the top corner. Osman scored the fourth goal in that match. It was a nice goal, but that one's more memorable for his celebration after the goal. That was his first goal in the Azzurri, and he ran to Mr. Gattuso and gave him a big embrace after that one. I mentioned earlier or it might have been last episode, match day five versus Benevento. Insigne scores the game-tying goal in the derby. After his brother, Roberto, opened the scoring in the first half, which was a kind of a crazier story. And this was from a set piece, which is something we rarely score from. Insigne turns Dabo at the top of the box and fires with his left foot off the bar, just barely crosses the line. And then he told his brother on the field, apparently, after he scored that goal, that he has the better left foot which is funny because Roberto's actually left-footed and Insigne isn't. Uh, match day nine versus Roma. Three beautiful goals in this match. Vincenzo mentioned the first one, which was the free kick from Insigne. 
The second that I have was Fabian's goal. That was a play that started, if you guys remember this play, Mario Rui's good play that he made this season. It was a back heel volley to send Insigne down the wing, and then Insigne carried through the midfield, finds Fabian, and Fabian puts it off the post in the bottom corner. Politano scored the third one in that one, which, I mean, I still thought it was a really nice goal, though I think Roma had kind of given up at that point. He basically dribbled through four Roma defenders, and then he dribbled around Antonio Mirante uh, before putting the ball into the empty goal. Match day 10 versus Crotone. Zielinski nutmegs Giuseppe Cuomo in the middle of the field. I don't know if you guys remember this one. And then he finds Insigne on the left side of the box, and then we get sort of the patented curling shot to the far post, the top corner from Insigne. We got a couple of those this season. Match day 14 versus Torino. Insigne salvages a draw, another curling effort to the far post. But, uh, you know, again, this one was more the fact that it was the very end of the match that he, he manages to get that goal to pull a point back after coming off of back-to-back losses to Inter and Lazio. So that was more of a big moment than, I mean, it was still a very nice goal as well. Match day 15 versus Cagliari. Zielinski scores two gorgeous goals in this match. The first was a rocket from the edge of the area. And then on the second, this was the goal where he made two incredible touches. First to control Di Lorenzo's pass, and then a second touch to skip past Luca Cepitelli before firing past Alessio Cranio. Match day 17 versus Udinese. Timoy Bakayoko in the 90th minute scores a header to give us the win. Uh, that was a big moment that we mentioned earlier. I'm surprised nobody picked this one because this is my goal of the season. Match day 18 versus Fiorentina. Again, we scored a couple of beautiful goals in this one, but my goal of the season is the one where Lorenzo Insigne goes 1v the world. He takes on the entire Fiorentina team. Again, looked like Maradona had come back down and was on the pitch running around, dribbling until something opened up, and then he plays a perfect ball to Lozano, making the Calejon-style run to the back post and scores. Uh, that put us up 3-0 in that game. Zielinski scored a beautiful goal in that game as well. He completed a lovely team play that included a back heel from Diego Deme before Zielinski absolutely destroys Gaetano Castrovilli with a step over, blows his ankles up twice, <laughs> and then he finishes with his right foot on that one, which is, I think he scored more goals with his left foot this season, if I'm not mistaken. And then again, Politano scores a nice goal in that match. Again, kind of a late pad the stats type of goal, but he dribbles past a couple of players before putting his shot off the post and in. Match day 19 versus Hellas Verona. Chucky Lozano scores eight seconds into the match. So again, not necessarily a, a beautiful goal, but just the fact that it was right off the opening kickoff. Diego Deme plays a long ball. Terrible defending by Federico Di Marco, and Lozano puts that goal away. The following game against Parma, Elif Elmas with a great individual goal. I think you guys probably remember this one where he picks up the ball around midfield, takes on about five Parma defenders, and then he sends Luigi Seppe the wrong way. Unfortunately, we didn't see enough of that from Elmas this season. Match day 23 versus Atalanta. This was another really beautiful one from Zielinski where Politano plays a gorgeous ball over the top and Zielinski spins and volleys first touch to beat uh, the Atalanta keeper. I think we probably don't remember it too much because it was a big loss. Match day 25 versus Sassuolo. Again, Zielinski scores with another left footed strike from the edge of the area off the upright and in. There was a lovely buildup to that goal. Match day 26 versus Bologna. <laughs> Still got a long way. There's a lot of goals. Insigne scored two beautiful goals in this one. On the first one, Fabian passed to Zielinski. He played a back heel flick to Insigne, and Insigne picks the corner. On the second, Insigne did it all by himself. He blocks the Silvestri's clearance before picking the bottom corner from well outside the area. 
that was the game that Osman started his amazing run to end the season. Unfortunately, that was also the game that Gulam injured his knee. Match day 28 versus Roma, Merton scores with a direct free kick. The following game, Merton scores another one with a direct free kick, but I don't think that was the best goal of the match. My favorite from that match was the goal where Insigne plays a ridiculous bicycle kick volley across the face of the goal, and Osiman taps in to the empty goal, and Fabian played a lovely ball there as well. Match day 30 versus Sampdoria. This one was up there for me. It was easily our best team goal of the season. There was lots of one passes. Deme, Fabian, Osiman, Zielinski back to Fabian and into the back of the goal. We mentioned on match day 32, Daniel had the goal by Dries Mertens. There was another nice goal that I, I liked from that match, which started with a save by Meret. We counterattack with Insigne and Hisai. And then Insigne just does a delicate little chip to the top corner to score there. And that game kind of ended Lazio's chances, at least really hurt their chances of qualifying for the Champions League. Match day 33, we mentioned this one earlier. Timoy Bakayoko scores from outside the box. No one expected that one. Match day 35 versus La Spezia. LCT side plays a long ball to Osman. And despite being on a hat trick, Osman plays a ridiculous ball to Lozano making the late run and he taps in. And, and that was just an unbelievable vision from Osman and, and just the wherewithal to know that his teammate is struggling and to play that pass and hand him a goal when he's on a hat trick is just unbelievable to me. Match day 36 versus Udinese. Fabian Ruiz scores with a gorgeous left footed strike from the sweet spot into the top corner at the far post. The fifth goal in that match was really nice as well. Politano shot was blocked, but Insigne controls the ball with his chest and fires the volley first time uh, into the back of the goal. And finally, match day 38 versus Hellas Verona. Again, not the nicest goal and not something we're really going to remember because of how that game went. But Amir Rachmani scores his first ever goal in Serie A, and it comes against his former club in Hellas Verona. So that was me talking a lot <laughs> and those a lot of crazy goals hopefully a lot of great memories try to focus more on the positives that will do it for this season review before i wrap it up i do want to throw it to vincenzo because last time we spoke you mentioned that you had another story that that you wanted to share so why don't That's you right. go ahead and, uh, and share that story with everyone well, it's kind of fitting we're doing this after speaking about goals of the season and big goals and again you know my choice this year was Insigne. And so, you know, Insigne fills Napoletan fans with, I think, more passion than anyone else. We're already passionate fans as it is. And so this takes me back to 2018, very big game against Liverpool in the Champions League. It was Ancelotti's Napoli versus Klopp's Liverpool. And it was a big game. We needed to win this to even have a chance of getting out of the group. And it was one of those games where Napoli actually outplayed Liverpool but it was just 0-0 and I'm waiting and I'm on edge. And you know how we all go through these roller coaster of emotions. Oh my God, we're playing so good. We just need, and then in the 90th minute Insigne scores and I'm sure like everyone else, I exploded, you know, like Vesuvius. I was just screaming, going crazy. I was so happy. I'm talking to my dad on the phone. Did you see that goal? What a win. Oh my God, we got it right at the end. It's huge. And then as I'm passionately talking to my dad about this goal, I see this police truck pull up in front of my house through the window, which is right behind my TV. So I'm on the phone with my dad. 
watching the highlights of the game that just ended and the cops pulling up. Now I had this old lady living next to me. Sometimes she had health issues. So first I thought, oh my God, the senora next door, something's happened to her. But then the cops, they, they're getting out of their truck and they're walking up my driveway. I'm like, uh, dad, I, I gotta get off the phone. There's two cops coming to the, to the door. So I'm like, my emotions right now, I'm so confused because I'm elated from this and I'm so happy. And I don't know what's happening. The cops are coming to the door. So as they're getting to my veranda, I, I go to the door to be there. And I said, you know, I open, I go, hello, officers, a policeman and woman, very concerned faces and a little bit intimidating, to be honest. They, like they were stepping right up to me. Is everything all right, sir? I, yeah, why? Well, we've, we've had a, some calls about this house. I go, what do you mean? They go, was there, was there any screaming happening? I said, oh yeah, no, you know, earlier I was, a little while ago, I was watching my game. You know, it wasn't for very long that I was screaming, but yeah, I did scream. They, they didn't look like they believed me at all. They're, they're looking at each other. They're like, well, is, is there anyone else in your house? I go, yeah, my wife, she's in the basement, but she's an artist. She's working on a painting. She's got music blaring. Like she, she probably never heard anything and she knows I'm, I'm watching my game. So she, she does her own thing. She knows I'm going to make noise and do all that. And they're like, well, we need to speak to her. I'm like, all right. So I go in the basement. I'm like, I'm sorry, hon, but uh, there's two cops at the door and they, they want to speak to you. I'm like, what? <laughs> such a surreal situation. So my wife looks at me. She's like, what the heck's going on? She comes upstairs and the cops are like, is everything okay, miss? And once, you know, they realize that uh, she's okay, they're, 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 they have this puzzled look on their face and they're like, oh, you know, we, we had this call about, you know, someone screaming, call the police, call the police. And my wife's like, it wasn't call the police that, that, you, that they heard. It was Napoli because my, my, my husband is a Napoli fan. Then the two cops look at each other. They're like, Napoli, call the police. Napoli, call the police. Like, Actually, it kind of sounds like that. And then, you know, the two cops, when they finally realize what it was, and me and my wife were just laughing, you know. And now it's, it's become a thing where, like, all my friends now when Napoli scores – they're texting me, call the police. They're texting me police emojis. And it's just one of those funny, unique stories, you know, related to Napoli fans. I know we're all passionate. We're all loud. And, you know, now I, I, I'm, I'm, you know, one of the few who's probably had the cops called on me. So let's just, let's just leave it off as this, you know, we're going to be going into a, a, a new season next year with a new coach. And I just hope for all of our sake that, the, you know, I get a lot of uh, call the police, call the police being texted to me you know, because that'll be a good sign and uh, a good omen for the, for the future of a club. Amazing. Great story. I, I'm glad we, you didn't get arrested. We had you here to share that. <laughs> I think uh, I'm going to start using that as a tweet when we score, uh, when we score big goals, call the police. That's it. All right. So that's a, a perfect way to wrap up our season review. Again, I want to thank all of our panelists tonight. Uh, Gaetano, thank you so much. Thanks as always, John. This is great. Really appreciate it. It's my pleasure. Daniel, thank you for coming on. Thank you so much for having me, Joe. It's always a pleasure. It's my pleasure as well. And we'll definitely have you guys back on. Vincenzo, thank you so much. Thanks again, Joe. And thanks to both of you guys also for coming in and sharing this with us. It's been a great experience and hopefully we can all talk soon. Absolutely. You can find all of our guests again on Twitter. Daniel's at DRusso2235. Vincenzo's at VinBirtillo and Gaetano's at Solazzo underscore 1310. You can find me on Twitter at Joe underscore Fischetti5, and you can find the podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook 
at Pod. As I mentioned the last episode, we have a couple more to go before we wrap up this season. So I will talk to you again sometime next week. But until then, I'm Joe Fischetti. Forza Napoli sempre. Network.